Side Hustle Show 270, Systemize Your Business, an intro to marketing automation. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because systems can hold you hostage or they can set you free. I want to talk about that second kind today, those repeatable processes in your business that build relationships, make sales, deliver products, all on autopilot or if not completely automated, at least as part of a well-oiled machine. To help educate me on this topic, I invited my friend Greg Hickman on the show. Greg is the founder of Systemly, system.ly. It's a company that helps build those well-oiled machines for other businesses. Now, you may have heard the term funnel or marketing automation or communication sequences, but really the end goal is the same. Here's how Greg describes it. Really, it's the client journey. How do you take someone from complete stranger to paying client, raving fan, And that going from one end to the other is you use marketing automation, you put them through a client journey, they can go through a funnel. But really, that's what we're doing from stranger to paying client. A system that turns strangers into paying clients, and it doesn't have to be overly complicated. That's what we're getting into in today's episode. Stick around here, the types of lead magnets and sales strategies Greg sees working today, the questions you have to ask yourself before writing any email sequence, and how he communicates with prospects on an ongoing basis. Notes and links for this one, along with a free PDF highlight reel with all of Greg's top tips from this episode, are at SideHustleNation.com slash Systemly. Again, System L-Y. Now, there are quite a few marketing automation tools you can use, ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Drip, and tons more. And I'll link those up for you um, at that URL as well, SideHustleNation.com slash Systemly. But if you're selling any type of service, there's another tool you're probably going to want to have in your toolbox, and that's FreshBooks. It's the affordable cloud accounting system that's recommended by 97% of small business owners, and it's built specifically with side hustlers and freelancers in mind. I want to thank FreshBooks for sponsoring today's show and for helping 10 million entrepreneurs, myself included, get paid and help keep the books in order come tax time. As a Side Hustle Show listener, you can claim a 30-day completely free trial at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. We kick this thing off with Greg's take on the best lead magnets. That's the thing you're giving away in exchange for an email address in most cases. And then what needs to happen next? I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Greg after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. So I'll break down kind of what we use. So our lead magnet is a webinar. I would say a webinar is a type of lead magnet in that it is a way that someone opts in. But I look at webinars more as conversion methods than acquisition methods, although it does both which is why it's really powerful. It can acquire someone. And because you spend 60 minutes with someone in a conversation, you can build rapport a little bit quicker than if someone just downloads a 10-step checklist and they can get a feel for you. And for us, the call to action is to, if what we talked about was of value, we don't sell anything on the webinar, then they should schedule a consultation. And in the consultation application process, they tell us more about themselves and they give us their phone number. And then we get on the phone with them at that point. So my webinar doesn't sell anything. It's all value driven and it's on autopilot, evergreen, automated, whatever you want to call it. And that works really well for us, obviously, but it also works really well for our prospects because they can consume it on their own time. 
And I tell them that, like, I don't try to pretend like my webinar in my ad copy. I mentioned that it's an, an on-demand webinar in the webinar. I mentioned that it's not live and really it's for their convenience because I'm not there to sell them anything. I'm there to add value to them. And if it makes sense, and if they're in a position where they want help, here's how they can go about doing that. And then they apply to work with us and then they go into kind of that consultation process. So for client-based businesses where you're a consultant, a freelancer, an agency, I believe right now, even with rising ad costs, a automated webinar is an integral part of the funnel and qualification process because of its ability to let you go a little bit deeper with people. Not everyone's going to spend 60 minutes you know, listening to your content. Great. That person's probably not qualified to work with you anyway. So you filtered out a bad fit, right? So yeah. there's a lot of different elements that make webinars great for qualifying mm -hmm. and things like that for higher ticket items, I would say. But at the same time, it is asking for more of a commitment from a lead upfront that doesn't know you, which typically means you're spending more money to get them. So if your sole purpose in your lead magnet is low friction, get the email address and get them into my email list, I would not choose a webinar. I would choose something like a checklist or a blueprint or a template, something that's really easy to consume that can kind of get someone to want to download it and it doesn't require a lot of time. Okay. And so this is what's going on on system.ly. It's like download the webinar funnel blueprint, get the webinar funnel blueprint that generates our customers five figures per webinar. And that's just a kind of a PDF. Yeah. So that's a PDF. And then if they go into that and they're not interested or they don't really take action, we invite them into a webinar that if on our homepage, you can opt into our webinar as well. And we show our process on how we basically systematized our business by productizing our offer and our sales process and our new client onboarding process. So all of those things we use automation for. I just happen to be acquiring most of my leads. Most of our leads come in through our paid traffic channel into a webinar. Okay. Yeah. The interesting thing, and actually, so a friend of mine, his ultimate goal was to sell a video course. And so he, when he switched his lead magnet from ebook to like mini video course, like his conversion skyrocketed because mm -hmm. it was like a mini taste of what like he ultimately wanted to sell. So trying to figure out what that alignment is like, okay, if your ultimate goal is to sell this productized service, like, okay, having somebody spend 60 minutes with you on this pitch free webinar where you're showing them your expertise, like here's how you can do it yourself. But by the way, if you don't want to, we can do that for you. And here, if you want to schedule a consultation, so trying to find that alignment. Yeah. So I think a key point on this is this is where I see a lot of people go wrong with lead magnets. There are so many people that create lead magnet after lead magnet after lead magnet that all lead to dead ends. So when you're creating your lead magnet, it's always beneficial to work backwards from what your offer is. The lead magnet should capture or contain a sliver of the exact same intent that will be required for them to want to purchase with you, like purchase your product, okay. right? So there needs to be that alignment. This is why, I don't know if they coined the term, but digital marketer talks about splintering, which sounds painful, but like <laughs> what they mean is extracting a piece of your actual product and making that the lead magnet, which it sounds kind of like maybe that's what this person did. They're kind of giving you a taste, right? And 
by them going through that, they're probably going to have a really good sense for what it's going to be like when they buy from a client. When they go through your experience, you should always be asking yourself, how can I get them to say to themselves, wow, if that's what he gives me for free, I can't imagine what would happen if I gave them money. We want that wow factor, that quick win factor. Yeah. I've never heard of the splintering term before, but yeah, that's how Extraction, whatever you want to call it. But it's really yeah, just yeah. removing a piece of your actual paid offering and making it either making it your lead magnet or kind of reforming it to be a good lead magnet. Yeah. It's like download the first chapter of the book for free kind of a thing. Totally. Okay. So what happens next? Somebody opts in and you deliver what you promised them. Hey, you can watch the webinar on demand, click here, or here's the free PDF thing. What happens next? Like, Are you sending anything else to introduce that person to your brand? What's an onboarding sequence look like for you? There's a, a lot of people that will say you download a lead magnet and you'll get an email series that's associated to the delivery of that lead magnet, but you'll also simultaneously get a welcome campaign or what some people will call as indoctrination. <laughs> I like that term. Like yeah. We're indoctrinate you into, into our ways. Yeah. And usually what that leads up to is like people getting a lot of emails. And while I do think you need to get your list used to a cadence, I'm not a huge fan of always sending multiple emails, especially in the first few days. So what we do is we kind of weave in the delivery of our lead magnet with kind of some of that content that indoctrinates them and kind of kill two birds with one stone and lead them into kind of the next stage. So again, if you download a lead magnet, like what is your end goal? Is the end goal to get them to apply? Is it to get them to a webinar? Is it to get them to buy? All of those questions will and should be the basis for what do I say next? And I do think there's ways to allow people to get to know you while moving them through the journey versus just, oh, I should send them these five emails because that's going to help them get to know me. If it has no end, then I think it's wasteful. Okay. <laughs> I would ask yourself and all of you, if they download this checklist, what is the next logical step to make them more likely to become a buyer? If that's send them through some free training to give them a sample of your offer, what does that look like for you? How many trainings do they need? Everyone's content is different. You might need seven videos versus someone else's content and topic is smaller and lighter. You might only need three. So I don't personally think that there's a set number that it's like, oh, it needs to be a four-part video series. That all came from, you know, Jeff Walker launch formula yeah. style, which is really just kind of hitting on pain, agitation, and then solving the problem, solving the pain, and then kind of letting them know how to move forward. I mean, it's just a story, right? And you could do that in a webinar. You could do that over 10 emails. You could do that in three emails. I think the key thing is understanding when they come to you with the pain that they believe you're solving by giving them this lead magnet that you created, how far now is that gap or how big is that gap between them having that answer to being ready to buy your product? And again, with most people that create lead magnets, they don't think through that. And then they just keep sending emails that are content driven. Hey, listen to this podcast episode. And it's not taking them on any specific path, bringing them closer to become a client. One of my buddies who's a copywriter was basically writing copy for us at one point, And he said, 
So basically what you're telling me is you don't believe in the word lead because anyone that comes into your world is really a pre-customer. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, totally. Because if I'm just collecting email addresses to collect email addresses and stroke my own ego for how many email addresses I have, then cool, I'll do that. But like, if I actually want to turn that into business, there should be intent with what they're opting into. And if that ties into my solution, well, now I'm just preparing them to become a client. And then my conversation with what I want to tell them in those emails or in those videos is what do I need to do to prepare them to buy? Okay. Is that helpful? I know it's like kind of pulling back up a little bit, but I think most people approach this so tactically that it's like, oh, five emails and they have no, like they just start writing emails and they don't actually do anything. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, well, you've got me kind of like in introspection mode and I'm like, yeah, I'm totally guilty of, of this. Like, you know, hundreds, probably probably close to 200 lead magnets all over the map, you know, all these different topic areas. And then these funnels, like they don't really have an ask at the end. Like there's no real like customer ascension. The main revenue streams for me right now are sponsorships on the podcast, affiliate offers through the site and occasionally through the email list, and then kind of my own random side hustles. There's no like overarching like product. I want you to become my customer. I want you to, you know, buy into my seven secret side hustle system. I don't know what it would be, but it's got me thinking about like, okay, what can I do to kind of, my emails are mainly relationship building, right? Like if you're just now coming into the side hustle nation fold, like here's what you ought to know. Here's something that I think will be helpful. Here's some side hustles you can start this weekend. Like if you're just basically starting out and stuff like that, but this kind of like recognizing, okay, what is the gap versus like what this person has opted in for based on what we know about this person, like where do we, and where do we want them to go? Like, how can we get them there over the course of several days, sending an email every couple of days or sending an email every couple of weeks? Like if it's a longer term warm up period, totally. How long would you let it, would you let that slide? Like when somebody's like brand new to your world, how long would you go without sending them something? Without trying to sell them something? Without a communication. Like if you were, and I typically send a newsletter every Thursday and so kind of like communicating with everybody every week, at least right now, the people who want to, I'll probably change that, like give people the option to like opt out of those, but stay subscribed. Yep. But now we're getting back into like numbers and tactics, but like, <laughs> you know, how often do you message people? For me, it depends on what they opted into. And our system is pretty simple. And caveat, our 
motto is start simple, get ninja later. And most of the times you won't need to get ninja later. So as you keep, not you specifically, but as people try to keep forcing complexity onto the situation, which makes it harder for themselves, I'm going to keep deconstructing that to make it as simple as possible. (laughs) Because literally our business does six figures a month and it goes like this, Facebook ad into a webinar, into a phone call, sale. And there's email, there's four emails that lead up to the webinar. If they don't choose an on-demand, there's probably seven that go daily following up on that email. If they don't apply or fill out the consultation form. Sorry, say that again. Seven emails in one day? No, no, no. Back to back. Seven days. Okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah, not one day. (laughs) Like, really? Why didn't you sign up? Okay. (laughs) That would go against what I said earlier of sending too many emails in a day. It's like four or so emails leading up to the event about seven days follow-up if they don't take action. And that's behavioral action. So like if they saw the call to action, there's seven days. If they didn't end up coming to the webinar or they didn't see the actual call to action, we're going to encourage them to watch the replay before they then go into that seven-day sequence. And it might even be 10, but it's like seven to 10. And if they still don't convert there, I currently have, I'm going to be changing it. There's like another probably about six emails that go out and then they just end up back on my newsletter, which I email my list three times a week. So while they're going through that whole system I just talked about, before they get added to my newsletter, they are not getting my newsletter. They're excluded from my newsletter because I'm having a very specific conversation with them to try to get them to do something. And at a certain point, I understand that they're not going to do that, which then I roll them into just my everyday conversation, right? Where you said something earlier that I wanted to touch on. It's really important to obviously build relationship, but people aren't giving you their email address to be friends. Honestly, like they don't care about you. They care about whatever the thing is that the promise that your lead magnet offered. So solve the problem. That will make them be your best friend. Then we can go and learn about each other and go deeper. Of course, I'll weave that in where it makes sense. But like, I'm not trying to like introduce you to my entire family when I first meet you, right? Just like in person, if there's a way I can add value, add value because they came to you for help because you created this thing that apparently solves a problem that they believe they have. So solve it as fast as you possibly can, because that's the way that you're going to create value and win them over versus, oh, I got to warm them up to solve this problem that I just created this lead magnet for. No, they're going to actually not like you because you're taking longer to solve something that they need solved now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like, get to the point already. Okay. But then, yeah, I mean, then they roll into, if they haven't taken my desired action, I don't want them falling through the cracks. So I have a process where I plan out content a month in advance and those emails are scheduled out. They're topic based and they'll flow back into my weekly newsletter. And a lot of my, pretty much all of my emails have some sort of call to action. Sometimes it's a subtle call to action. Sometimes it's more direct. Hey, schedule a call. If this resonated with you, I'm still adding value in those emails. Okay. I'll definitely share this interview with our list, like, because it's going to be helpful. And in the footer of the email, I'll probably say, look, if you liked that and you want to approach this in a smart way, schedule a time on our calendar. We'll talk through your situation see if we can even help you. And that's putting people into our sales system, right? So that's how we do it. Literally, it's as simple as that. Call it. We have really one funnel 
I think there's a lot of people out there. It's like, make it super complex. Usually those people are trying to sell you funnels <laughs> and it just doesn't need to be that way. Okay. So the, the newsletter portion is written, like it's batch written. So it's semi-automated once a month. You got to go through and write these newsletters. I usually leave one slot. So I said I email three times a week. So that's 12 emails a month. I plan eight pieces of the 12. And so that leaves me flexibility on if there's, we have a client that has a super big win and I want to tell that story. I have room in my calendar each month to kind of share more time sensitive stuff that would drive people into conversations with us. Okay. Let's maybe walk through an example. We could use your business or like we can come up with a hypothetical. Let's say I have a bookkeeping business and I'm running Facebook traffic to my webinar and here's the bookkeeping I don't know what it would be like the, the 2018 like rule changes that you need to know about or something. Totally. And it's like somebody comes on, they, I mean, maybe there's a different scenario if somebody like actually watches the webinar and then doesn't become a client or somebody just is a straight up no show or they just never, they never engage from there. Like, what do you send those people? Is there a way to automate that stuff? Yeah. What's the price point? I don't know. What's book like a couple hundred bucks a month for bookkeeping. Yeah. That's a key question, right? For a few reasons. One if you're using Facebook ads to drive people into sell something that is call it low ticket, I'll call it under a thousand, maybe 2000, at least the initial payment, you might be in a position where you're either losing money on acquiring a client or breaking even and, or just slightly profiting. So depending upon your model and how you convert them, if it costs you $1,000 to get a client, meaning between them registering for your lead magnet and then scheduling a call and then showing up to sell your service, it might end up being that a client from paid traffic costs you $1,000. So if you're selling something for 300, do you know the lifetime value of your clients to understand that, yeah, I'm okay with that because when people sign up, they sign up for a year contract. So I'm cool losing money in months one, two, or three because it'll benefit in the long run. That's a huge part of this that I don't hear anyone talking about. That's super critical because we can talk about what's the best funnel to sell the thing. But if you're going to be using paid traffic, it kind of changes the game. Like how much are you willing to pay to get a new client is really the question. Yeah, that's interesting. Like it's got to be I mean, a thousand. Is that, is that typical? Like, is that how much a new systemly customer costs you? It ranges. It can go up to 1500. Okay. But because it's a high ticket offer, it's worth it. Well, yeah. I mean, they're super, by the time they're getting there, they're super qualified, right? Yeah. Our client acquisition cost ranges anywhere from, I'd say the lowest I've seen it in the last like quarter was like 400. And the highest I saw was I think like 1450 or something like that. Okay. But I'm cool with that because our program is a higher ticket item. Yeah, yeah. Again, the economics, and this is why I think it's dangerous territory when you start asking people like, oh, like what's your cost per lead? What's your cost per webinar? Because there's so many elements that are going to be different for you and your business. So the real question when it comes to a funnel that incorporates paid traffic, you want to understand what is your lifetime value of a client and then what are you willing to pay to get them? So again, if it's a $300 a month service, are you willing to use the first three months of that experience for your bookkeeping service to really just break even on what it costs to get them? I would gather no. So what needs to change? 
your cost per lead needs to change. Your funnel needs to change to get more qualified leads. Maybe you need to be selling directly or earlier on in the process. And bookkeeping is kind of interesting because I used to work with Bench, mm -hmm. which is a service, right? Bench is a .io or .co. I never talked to anyone in order to pay them. I got referred from an accountant that thought where I was at in business at that time made sense. I just upgraded to someone that's a little bit more high touch. I would never not talk to someone before investing in a bookkeeping service. So that needs to come into play. What am I willing to spend to get on the phone with someone? All of those things. So service, service I think is a little different. If your lifetime value is like over 5K, I'd likely get them on the phone any way that I can. And more often than not, how your service is structured also probably impacts how you sell. But think about this. If you're going to hire someone to do something for you and you register for a webinar, you showing them how you do it probably doesn't make sense because they don't care how you do it because they want to pay you for you to do it. So the webinar needs to be about something else. I see a lot of people doing this. They follow like the teach, 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 sell. Let me show you my step-by-step -step process. Now hire me to do it. Well, I don't care about your step-by-step -step process because I'm hiring you to do it. I want you to have a process, right? I want you to show me as to why your process is important. That's what your webinar should be about. So I think we kind of take these cookie cutter approaches and just kind of apply them to all scenarios. But if someone's paying you to do something for them, they don't care about exactly how you do it. They care about other things. But when you sell a course where it's DIY, going through the step-by-step -step makes sense because you need to put the buyer into the position of what steps are they going to have to go through to get the result because they're the ones that have to do it. Does that make sense? Okay. You know, I'm following. Yeah. So that really impacts the conversation and how long the conversation needs to take. So your clients are mostly selling services or high-end consulting productized services and stuff like that. Do you have anybody selling courses and something like along those lines, like digital product? We used to. Yeah. That was like kind of how our business started. We build funnels for course creators. Okay. But as service providers, we always kind of resonated with service-based businesses. Okay. But yeah, I mean, evergreen webinar into selling a course, live webinars into selling courses, one to many, great way to do it. Again, price points obviously come into play there. You could do traffic into a live webinar and sell a $1,000 course. And if you spent $1,500 on ads and you sell two people, you've made your money back, right? So you can look at it that way too. Webinars are a great way to sell one to many, whether it's live and or evergreen. There's pros and cons to both. It's really not an either or, it's a when you should use which. Yeah. Let's say somebody comes on, they click on your ad, they watch the webinar, and then they, they don't schedule a consultation and it's like radio silence from them for a week. What does your follow-up look like after that? So after those seven days that I talked about, or is this for a course creator? Oh, sorry. So you do have the seven-day sequence, which is just like overcoming objections. Like what are you sending in those messages? Yeah. There's videos to testimonials. There's overcoming different beliefs. A lot of the things that we deal with, like people think they're not ready. So I tell stories about where I was at, where our clients were at to really overcome some of those misbeliefs and reframe the conversation. So, I mean, that's what we have to do. If you're selling a course, it's like $1,000 or $2,000. What is common and still works in a lot of ways is creating urgency and scarcity through expiring bonuses, closing the doors. 
I just don't believe in the whole closing the doors. So like for us, because it's high ticket and because we roll up our sleeves with our clients, I'm not going to pretend like we can only work blah, blah, blah with X clients and you have to choose now yeah. because that usually for us would lead to a really crappy client experience. But if it's a completely DIY for this course, there's a bonus package where if you buy at this price point, you get a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time with me. That's probably limited. So you can like use that as a way to, okay, a lot of my emails are going to be talking about how there's only X spots left or the doors are closing. So again, it's really contextually, why should they act now? Okay. And in my situation, my urgency is when do you want this problem solved? Right. And when do you actually want help and making them understand the cost of not getting help, right? So it's kind of like a different way to look at urgency. But common course funnels, just I'll give you kind of what we see most of is literally either a lead magnet, like a checklist into a webinar, into the sale is probably like the most common. Depending upon your niche, we see a lot of five or seven day challenges that then sell a course, usually anywhere up to $2,000. But usually when it goes over 2000 I'd say 2500 the best way to sell is over the phone unless you're going to allow people to make 12 monthly payments okay which is usually a pain in the butt <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough if you travel a lot for work or for a vacation you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Okay. So somebody goes through this, they, after these seven emails about overcoming objections and setting up urgency and sharing testimonials and stuff, then they get dumped into the just general newsletter list, resending your newsletter three times a week. And what happens if somebody is like, they don't care, they don't open any of your messages. Yeah. So once a quarter, we do a list cleanse, in which case they'd probably get weeded out through that process. So we go and look at everyone that hasn't opened, clicked, or engaged in emails, and we put them through a, a couple-day sequence to see if they're still interested. And if they're not, then we just remove them. Isn't that scary to delete people? I don't know. This is like a controversial thing. It's like, well, open rate is not like a perfect science with pixel tracking. And what if I delete somebody who really was opening these messages? Uh, I don't know. You just straight up delete them? I mean, define delete. So <laughs> if they were a client ever or paid us ever, they'll never be removed from our system. Okay. A lot of times those email addresses, like they turn into hard bounces or soft bounces or things like that. People change their email address or they used a fake email address, you know, not fake email address, like a, they have like a newsletter email address. Yeah. But yeah, that's why you also look at clicks. If no one's opened or clicked in 90 days, I mean, the likelihood of them really engaging again is low. 
So do you want to continue to tell the email service provider that you have low engagement? Or would you rather get rid of those people and send to people that give you engagement, which makes the ESPs like you? So deliverability is a touchy thing. By you bombarding... If you have a 10,000 person email list, but only 1,000 people open, and you keep emailing all of those people, likely you're going to get at some point a spam complaint. But like they're seeing that you're not getting any engagement. That impacts your deliverability. So would you rather have a 10,000 person email list that only 1,000 people ever open? Or would you rather have a 1,000 person email list that 1,000 people open? Yeah. Is there a target that you shoot for like in your, in your own email list like in terms of open rate? Yeah. I mean, I don't hit it, but I aim for it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of our emails get it. I aim for 40%, but I'm usually somewhere around like 30. Okay. I mean, depending upon who you're talking to, take it the grain of salt, people will say average is 20. We see a lot of people way lower, but we're actively cleaning our list. Yeah. And so if you're way lower, your recommendation would be, look, you're hurting your deliverability there's no point. Like the people aren't opening your messages. So it's like, why are you paying for them? Why are you sending to their promotion, their spam box all this time anyways? Yeah. I mean, having an unengaged list isn't going to turn into sales or build relationship. So literally, once you understand that, the only reason you haven't deleted them is because you want to say you have a 10,000 person email list, yeah. which is ego. <laughs> people hate that, but that's true. You want to build a relationship while well, you having 9,000 people that don't open emails, fake numbers, well, that's not building a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so why not just build a relationship with the people that are actually open to having a relationship? Yeah. Because everyone wants to have the vanity metric of how many people are on their email list, but no one will tell you, oh, well, like, yeah, it's always a 12% open rate. <laughs> okay, cool. So you don't have a, a 10,000 person email list. Because 10,000 people aren't opening your emails. No, this is t- it's totally like the internet marketing equivalent of how much do you bench kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, right. So a couple of things that I've tried to improve the engagement, improve the deliverability has been encouraging people to reply, especially early on in an onboarding sequence. Like, hey, hit reply. Let me know what you're working on. Let me know what you're struggling with. Let me know what your side hustle goal is. You know, whatever it is, just some question. What's you signed up for something related to blogging. What's your website about? You know, what's your URL? I'll check yeah. it out. Just trying to encourage that reply because I think that's probably going to send a positive signal to Gmail, whoever else is filtering these messages. And then the other thing is doing a two-part send, which I have no idea if this actually does anything, but like sending to the engaged subscribers first as measured by somebody who's opened a message in the last two weeks or something, and then sending to everybody else second. Because theory, okay, this first one sat out there for an hour and got hopefully... 30, 40, 50% opens already. And so then when it hits everybody else, like more likely to hit the inbox. I don't know, you seen any science behind that? Or is that just like, all right, you do you, buddy. Well, I haven't seen science, but a good friend of mine, Chris L. Davis, who's the head of education at Active Campaign, who has literally worked in every single platform out there, constantly talks about having people reply and click early on is super important for the email service providers to gauge how engaged you know your list is and one thing that he taught me and shout out to him is which i see a lot of people still do never give them your lead magnet on the thank you page of where they downloaded it so like opt-in page thank you page a lot of people will give the lead magnet. hey click here to download it on the thank you page no don't do that tell them it's in the email so they have to go click the email there's one click right if they want the lead magnet <laughs> They got to go click the link in your email. That click is going to help 
your deliverability. Okay, interesting. The first click, they're opening it quick. That's a win for deliverability and marketability. So never give your lead magnet on the thank you page. Yeah. Always on the thank you page, you can either move them to the next step of your journey. As an example, register for my webinar, check your email because I sent you the link to join the webinar. But if you're having this problem right now and you want to get help right now, click the button below and apply to work with us. Okay. Okay. That moves them through to the next stage of my funnel, right? That moves them through the client journey closer to the point of transaction. So I want that, my copywriter calls that the pivot. How do we pivot them on that page? Because we know they're going to be on that page as an opportunity to move them on if it makes sense. Otherwise, they're going to go to their email and they're going to click a link and they'll get what they wanted and we get the engagement. Okay, interesting. Now, yeah, I'm rethinking some of the thank you pages. Like for a long time, I went to a survey where it was like, okay, what are you working on? What are you struggling with? That kind of thing. Yeah. Now it says subscribe to the podcast, like testing if that could move the needle inside of iTunes. But no, this is really interesting stuff. Like don't, don't give away the lead magnet on the page. Now, my question is my lead magnets are mostly delivered by lead pages. Yeah. The from address is sent to the same or set to the same from address that it is normal, but it comes like through lead pages and then like this gobbledygook URL. Does that matter or should I try and bring those in-house? That's a great question. Honestly, I'll say that I don't know the true answer, but based on how what I know works, I would say that that's not counting. If it's being sent from lead pages, that's not being accounted for yeah. or your delivery so from active campaign is not getting the credit for that okay so like it's not actually going to improve your deliverability that's just an assumption based on how the tools work yeah. because i don't understand how active campaigns delivery servers are supposed to know based on an email that comes from lead pages servers right yeah so i would assume that that's why I always say like these tools that we have at our disposal, Active Campaign, Infusionsoft, Entrepreneur, whatever, they are the brain of our business, right? And so when we start having different tools send out different emails on our behalf, those are opportunities that are missed for our brain to capitalize on understanding if there was engagement or not. Okay. Um, now, now I'm going to figure out how to move all of the 200-something <laughs> lead magnets in, in-house or over to... 200 lead magnets? The- the Amazon web services or something. Yeah. So many lead magnets. I know there'll be one for this episode too. So it just keeps, it keeps growing. Everyone should opt into this one. For sure. sure. (laughs) At what point, and maybe at the very beginning is the answer, but like at what point does it make sense to worry about this stuff? If I'm starting out as a freelancer, if I'm starting out as a blogger. Deliverability? Any sort of this like automation, you know, it sounds like there's, there's a ton of moving parts and you can get, like you said, you can really overthink it. Yeah, totally. You, most people overthink it. And I really hope for those listening that I didn't make this more complicated, but I'm going to do my best right now to simplify it. So we talked about client journey, bring it back. The client journey is how do you take someone from stranger to paying client? If you're a freelancer or if you're trying to use your email list to make money, which most, I'd say most people are, you need to ask yourself, what is the one path that I can feel confident about sending people through that will give me the best chance to get a client or a customer. Work on that one until it works before you create any others. Amen. So you should have one funnel. That's it. Okay. And literally, I will tell you, we kind of got whatever our claim to fame, if you even call it that, by like building out systems for a lot of really amazing entrepreneurs that most of your audience know. 
most of them got to seven figures with one funnel. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be crazy complicated. In fact, the more likely it's going to break and not work if it is, and the more likely it will actually never get live if you make it complicated. Yeah. I spent an inordinate, it was just like, took so much like brain capacity to like try and write these like eight or 10 different sequences. It's just like, oh, who cares? You know, actually another point on this, right? Because Okay. So you're listening, you say, okay, cool. Like I'm going to create this lead magnet. And after that, I'm going to invite them to a consultation. Cool. Work on that, optimizing that to create as many conversations, consultations as you possibly can. Like that's your metric for success. How many people that download the lead magnet schedule a call? If it's 10%, you should be working on what do I need to do to make it 15? What do I need to do to make it 20? Right? Things like that. And those are just arbitrary numbers. I'm just saying like, keep tweaking it to get it better before abandoning it and creating something else because you keep leaving open loopholes. So what we say is get your one client journey dialed in and working so that you understand the numbers for your own business from how much are you willing to spend to pay for a lead if you're using paid traffic? How much are you willing to pay to acquire a client? And is that profitable based on the lifetime value of your client? Because that is going to help you understand like what does my journey need to do and how fast does my journey need to help give me the chance to make them a customer. So once you have one clear path, which that one clear path, as an, again, for us, webinar, application, phone call. That's our clear path. I've been working, I spent all of 2017 working on just that. Like that is still the only funnel in our business. That's it. We have a couple lead magnets that were rogue lead magnets from before that we've connected to inviting them into that same webinar. So anyone that downloads any kind of extraneous lead magnet that we might have, they will be invited into our one webinar, which brings them into a application. And if they still don't take action, they're either unsubscribing or they're going to be getting my weekly emails that I send out. Yeah. And that's it. And we built that one piece at a time in reverse. So the clients flow through outside in, we build inside out. So what I mean by that is obviously I don't need to have any automation to sell over the phone. So how do I have a conversation with someone on Facebook or in person and schedule a phone call? Cool. Step one, of my funnel complete. How do I now get people to apply? Well, let me build the application. The application now feeds into the phone call. Cool. Stage two of my funnel complete. Cool. Now I go build my webinar. I'm still getting people organically to apply to work with us while I'm building my webinar. Cool. I'm going to build my webinar, launch the webinar. The webinar now stacks on top of the application process, which stacks on top of the phone call process. And it's just built in a modular way in reverse one step at a time so that I can make sure that the pieces that are the foundational pieces are actually working. Right, right, right. And I say that because you see a lot of people who they create this webinar as, as an example, and the webinar say maybe sells a course and they're like, man, my webinar is not converting. I'm going to go create a lead magnet that drives into the webinar. Well, why would you create something to acquire a lead to put them into something that's not working? Yeah. That's like a leaky bucket, right? <laughs> Spend your time on figuring out why the webinar doesn't work. Get that working before you stack something on top of it or connect something else to it. Because you don't want to keep pouring leads in to something that's not working. And that's what a lot of people do. So if you reverse implement one step at a time, 
you can start building something that actually moves people from one end of the journey being a stranger to the other end of the journey being a client. Well, there it is. You got your homework, reverse engineer it, reverse implement it, go from simple to complicated, simple first, ninja later. Greg, I love it, man. System.ly is where you can find out more. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Pay really close attention that you are falling in love with the problem that you solve, not the solution to the problem. Why do you say that? Just because the solution may change? Yeah. All right. Fall in love with the problem. So can I, can I give a little backstory on that real fast? Yeah, let's hear it. So before Systemly, I had a business called Mobile Mixed. It was a blog, podcast, turned into mobile marketing engine. We were selling mobile services, specifically to independent retail. Guess what? Independent retail, A, didn't think they had a problem at all. So I had to convince them they had a problem. Then I needed to educate them on mobile because they didn't even know anything about it. Then I needed to connect mobile as a solution to their problem. These guys weren't even using email yet. Like, <laughs> you think they're going to be investing in mobile? It was a pain. I was basically slamming my head into a wall for a year or more, actually more than that, where we were just stuck at five to 7K a month in revenue. Yeah. You were the mobile marketing guy for years. Yeah. D over a decade. And so talk about pivot, right? But when I really looked at it, I was so in love with mobile because that was my background. I spent a decade there. I was the mobile guy. Like literally <laughs> people sometimes even say like, and it got to the point where I was like, I just had to have a really tough conversation. It's like, do I care more about being the mobile guy or do I care more about having a business that can create leverage and have longevity? And obviously that decision came down to, yeah, I don't care about being the mobile guy anymore. I can reinvent myself, which is what I had to do. Yeah. Now we're here talking about funnels, not mobile, right? So just be careful that you might be good at something or love something so much that you become blinded to the fact that the person you're, you want to sell it to, despite you knowing it will help, if they don't feel like they have a problem, you're never going to sell it. So fall in love with solving that problem. And the solution will come and you will find a way. But as long as you can be in love with that problem, you will always have a business because you can always solve that problem no matter what the solution is. Like fall in love with solving the problem, not the way that you solve the problem. Fair enough, man. I, I'm very impressed the the pivot that you made. It's total personal rebrand and and really crazy to see what's gone on with Systemly the last couple of years. So congrats on, on all your success there and appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me. You bet. We'll catch up soon. Definitely. Well, tax time is upon us, my friends. You know, the time of year when the snow is falling, New Year's resolutions are still optimistically intact, and more than a few listeners of the show are digging their way out from a pile of receipts and spreadsheets. So if you find yourself in that boat and you're getting buried in paperwork, I want to invite you to go and check out the FreshBooks.com cloud accounting software. Not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, it might actually change the way you feel about dealing with your taxes. For example, if you need to send your accountant a quick summary of the amount of tax you've collected over the course of the year or a quick uh, profit and loss summary statement, FreshBooks can generate these types of reports in seconds instead of the hours it might take you to do them manually. You can even set FreshBooks up to import expenses directly from your bank accounts which means next time you use your debit card for that meal, you're taking a client out, that piece of software or a new computer, boom, that purchase.
purchase is instantly recorded inside FreshBooks. It's made for entrepreneurs, freelancers, and side hustlers like us, especially those among us who don't like dealing with numbers and taxes. And right now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to Side Hustle Show listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Greg, number one, put first things first. What's your offer? What are you selling? Where does that conversion take place? Are we talking on the phone, over email, in person? And then you think, how can you reverse engineer the client's success path to get people there? And after you do, you figure out what a customer is worth. But like Greg said, start simple, get Ninja later. Most of the time, you won't have to get Ninja later. And I really like Greg's call to build it in reverse. So that was takeaway number one, put first things first, figure out you know, what it is that you're selling. Takeaway number two is to fill the funnel. I still don't love the term funnel, but you can build out the most elaborate marketing automation sequence on the planet, but it's still worthless if you don't have a traffic source. So, you know, where do visitors or potential customers come from? They come from Google, they come from Facebook, they come from your podcast. That's a critical part of the equation we didn't spend a ton of time on, but if you hit sidehustlenation.com slash grow, you'll find a laundry list of proven ideas on how you can get more eyeballs on your product or service. That's takeaway number two, find a way to fill the funnel. Takeaway number three is to fall in love with the problem, not the solution, just like Greg's number one tip. So what's the problem that you solve? That's all business is. It's a problem-solving machine. Think of the companies that have been around forever. They adapt and they evolve because they're in love with the problem. That's why car companies keep coming out with new and improved and more efficient models. They're all tackling that basic problem of transportation. How do we get people from point A to point B? And that's why we're not all driving around Model Ts anymore. It's because of that adaptation. Once again, be sure to hit up sidehustlenation.com slash systemly, system L-Y, to download the free PDF highlight reel with all of Greg's top tips from this conversation and to check out some of the best tools for applying marketing automation to your business. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where I'm diving into the old listener mailbag for another edition of 20 Questions with Nick. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.